Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with Cameron Levier of the band Lawn Care. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it, and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home, and as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now, today on the show, we got my friend Kat Bruno. For those of you that don't know Kat, she is a top-selling fantasy author who has currently just released the third book in her Pathway of the Chosen series. The book is called Queen of Stars and Shadows, and today we're going to talk about that book and her other two books, Daughter of the Wolf, The Girl from the North, and basically what the whole process was for her becoming a writer and then we go from there into getting your book published and then figuring out how the hell you're going to promote that, especially when you're somebody who is a adult, a mother, and has never really done much of anything in terms of needing to promote some type of a product that you have personally created yourself and that you're trying to maintain some sort of a financial stability from on top of, you know, building a fan base and becoming a part of the community of local independent writers and just independent writers all over the place. Big surprise, I'm rambling as I usually do, but I think you have a pretty good idea of what this talk's going to be about and I think you're really, really going to like it. So yeah, how about I shut up and we just get on with the conversation. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. started talking before I hit record about how you are recently getting into anime through your two daughters. Yes. How old are your daughters? I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. Awesome. So that's actually like right in the uh it seems about right that uh that's kind of like the typical demographic where people really start to get into anime. I started watching it when I was like really really young, but for me it wasn't anime it was cartoons and then as i got older i started to realize that it was kind of its own thing we're talking about storytelling in anime and in animation in general and how there's this potential to really tell a story in a way that you always necessarily can't using like a live action medium and then kind of going into what you do as a writer i'm sure that it's easy to pull inspiration from that which you told me that you have I so. did yeah and, and especially in my I'm on my third book now and 
Um, it's a series, but my third book, the one that uh, just released a few weeks ago, uh, Queen of Stars and Shadows, it's kind of... I, it's a third book in a series, but it's also a good starting point to jump into the series. Um, I've written it with enough backstory where you don't have to necessarily read the first two books. Um, it, this book is set about 15 years after my second book um, finishes. It's a new protagonist. There's definitely some characters from the first two books, but this is kind of her story now. Um, she was She's the daughter of the, the protagonist from my other two books. And she's young, you know, she starts the book around 15, 16 years old, um, really right in that kind of demographic and that age range where a lot of animes are set. You know, they yeah. kind of do have teenage protagonists a lot of times or, you know, vague ages. Is that kind of the target demographic for you as an author or you like, uh, maybe I, like that's like somebody in that age range could read it, but much absolutely. Like, like how I, we enjoy anime. I, I think so. I think that, you know, when I when I was growing up, I always read fantasy, and I read epic fantasy, and, and, and that's really at heart what I consider myself. I consider myself a fantasy author, especially an epic fantasy author. It's a series. My books are long. My books aren't the length of a lot of um, young adult books. They're longer. Uh, I think they have a lot more complexity and mythology to them. But at the same time, I mean, I do think, you know, I've done some book fest and I've had a lot of teenage girls come and read my book and want my book and buy my book and talk to me about it. And that thrills me. Like, it, I'm so excited when I see uh, young, young girls, um, you know, wanting to buy my book. So yeah, I mean, I think that it's, so YA didn't exist when I was a 13, 14-year-old reading fantasy. It didn't, the, the concept of young adult literature wasn't really picking up yet. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's its whole, it's its own market. Um, so I kind of, I think that I fall into both. Um, I've got, <laughs> you know, every everybody has a story like this. If you're a band, an artist, a writer, my my mom is, you know, always giving my book out to people and, and she has an 80-year-old neighbor in Florida, this 80-year-old man who loves my books. And he's an 80-year-old man, you know, I'm a fantasy writer. He would never stumble upon my book or choose my book any other day. Um, but she gave him my books and he loves it. And then, I, like I said, I've got, you know, 14, 15-year-old girls who buy my books at, at book fests and... Uh, so it's it's exciting. I think that um, you know, reaching reaching different audiences is is kind of exciting to me. But I definitely think this latest book is is very it's it's darker. Um it's uh my character is is kind of more like a superhero to me. Sure. And I've kind of always envisioned her, you know, I took my time with the first two books kind of getting to this character, but but she's the one that I I was building towards. So I'm kind of excited to finally be being be able to give her some page page space. Okay. So you got three books here. And what's the timeline as far as uh real world timeline? When did you write the first book? Okay. So the first book and I you know, I I don't know if this is common. I don't. I can speak for my experience. Um, I don't think it's that uncommon. The first book took me a super long time to sure. write. Um, between me starting it and it actually getting into print was probably almost a seven year process. Wow. I mean, I went through That's... so many different revisions, and um, real life got in the way. I was working a part time job, and I had two kids, and I moved, and you know, just kind of all kind of. Basically, when it comes down to it, like like I said, real life got in the way and I kind of let it get in the way, so to speak. Um, 
so then I kind of buckled down. I was like, I'm going to commit full time to this. And between, so the first book came out in 2014, the, the winter of, early winter of 2014. Um, about just over a year later, I released the second book. Okay. So, so I had become much more efficient. I mean, I was already writing the second book um, while I was in the final final stages of getting the first book to print. Um, but that book was maybe a year and a half between when I first started writing to when it was into print. Sure. And then my third book, which is a little bit shorter than my first two, like I said, they're epic fantasy. So my first book is uh, 155,000 words. It's a pretty long book. It's not like George R. R. Martin length, but it's a pretty long book. It's, it's right up there, uh, you know, close. They consider epic fantasy 120,000 words and above. So my third one is even, or my second one's even longer. It comes in around 160,000 words. Now the third one is only about 125, 125,000 words. I I didn't think that I would stop at that short, but it just kind of felt like a really good um, stopping point. I'm I'm glad that I did. I think that it's a it's a good length for that book. Sure, it's like your radio hit, your potential sort of like. Yeah, and and this right one where I was, it needs to be. So I was much much <laughs> more efficient with it. You know, I um I kind of. You know, and I, this is something that I love talking to musicians or artists or other writers about how, how you commit to your craft. Cause I think that's a really difficult thing for a lot of independent artists that often have to work another job or, you know, um, I hit writer's block for a while and, and I sat and played video games for six months and just couldn't write, you know, sure. just couldn't write. And so I finally, came up with this very arbitrary and very silly rule for myself where I said, you know, Monday through Friday, I have to write a thousand words. And I did. So I, I wrote a thousand words each, each day. Um, sometimes they got cut, sometimes they didn't get cut, but I just kept pushing that story along to get that first draft out. And I think that's what helped me the most, just committing, committing to something. Like I know that some people say, oh, you can't force art or you can't make yourself do art, but really that's what I had to do with myself. Is, is say this is what I'm doing. So I think that's why like my second, my third book had a had a much quicker turnaround. Definitely. I'm sure now before your first book, you hadn't tried to write a novel or any had you written anything prior to that? Well, you know, so I was I was a um I was a I was a creative writing major in college. Okay. Um, I never th- I, I really didn't think in college that I would I would get into fiction writing. Um I was I was sort of into poetry writing, and I did a, I did a lot more nonfiction writing than um, newspaper articles, yearbook articles, things like that, and kind of did that um, my first my first few years out of college. And then, but I always had characters in mind, and you know, once you you kind of uh, get those characters in your head, at some point you ha- they come out or you want them out. And um, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna finally I have t- time. My kids were both in school full time. I was like, now it's time. Now it's time for me to kind of flesh out these characters. Okay, so that was when you started the first book. Yes, yeah. Okay. Now, from the gate, did you kind of have this idea of where you wanted this full story arc to go? Were you thinking like, oh, I'm going to write this book and then I'm going to have a second book? Like, did you intend on creating a series or did that just naturally develop? I I think it's a little of both, even though that might not make sense off the bat. No, it it, totally makes sense. So... Like I said, I'm a fantasy writer. That's 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 who I am. And most fantasy books are series. That's just kind of how it goes. And most fantasy books are long. That's I'd I'd go to the bookstore when I was a kid, and I'd be like, "Oh, what's the thickest book?" And that's what I would gravitate towards. So I knew I was going to write something long. I I hoped that I was going to write a series. But oddly enough, my first book. So my first book, um, 
is the story of my my character who she was the one I always wanted to get to. It's the story of her mom. And really it was supposed to be a few chapters. My my first book was really supposed to be a few chapters of background, you know, who she was, how she ended up having this very, you know, uh, demigod type of daughter. Sure. Um, and that that few chapters turned into two full books. I kind of just, um, I really, I really liked the character. Um, I, I think that she was, she kind of surprised me, you know, in an organic way. Because I really, I'm not a type of writer that does an outline. I kind of write, I know where I want the story to go, but I, I just kind of sit and write. I was just kind of had this realization that I've never really thought about before. Um, you're probably the first fiction writer I've ever talked to on the show or really in life. I don't know a whole lot of people. Oh, cool. um, so I really haven't had a conversation like on this level with somebody who's done a body of work like you have. And I had this realization where it's like you are getting to know the characters as you are creating them. Absolutely. So that's such a weird thing mm-hmm. because you're probably going into this and something happens that you don't expect the character to do, but yes. it's just like like a consistent it's like a like you know those Christmas lights that uh that go like that uh do the pattern where it like follows and oh, it's like the yeah, bulbs yeah, just yeah. go off. It's probably like what the inside of your head's like yeah. when you're writing a book, just a series of those Christmas lights just going. It sort in of circles. is. I yeah, definitely. I mean it's um it, it and like I said, this so this character just uh, she kind of just kept growing, and I kind of wanted to see where she went, and um, and and I wanted to introduce some other characters, and and I had a really so my I, I would say my the hardest time for me as a writer is um, creating, making my characters, you know, because so anime, fantasy, um, even comic books, they all have a very similar literature trope to them. Um, and I'm not trying to, to, to fix that wheel, so to speak. I mean, it's, it's good versus evil or dark versus light, or, you know, there's always that, that, that inherent battle going on. So I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to change that. I, I stay very true to typical fantasy. Um, so, so my, my antagonist, um, whose name is Conry, he's kind of this, uh, he's the son of a dark God, it was very difficult for me because I found him so complex and so interesting. And he doesn't get a whole lot of page space. He's always um, that mysterious figure. He gets a few chapters of his own because um, I have a changing point of view. But but you don't really get to know him much. And you don't get to really see his dark side, but you know it's there. And I think that was like two – it was twofold. I, I wanted to keep him mysterious. But at the same time, I had a really difficult time because I started thinking, wow, this, this, this character is super interesting – like I had a really hard time trying to make him as someone that you could hate or you could be afraid of. So I struggle with that a little bit. And then I finally, you know, he has a few scenes where, you know, you really do see that that that, that kind of uh, innately dangerous and, and sort of evil in quotation marks side of him. Sure. Do you think that um, the result of that or the cause of that difficulty maybe just comes from – your morals as a human, like naturally and trying to put yourself in the headspace of somebody that is so different from you as I, a human? I think so. I think so. I think that, you know, I'm a, I'm a female writer and um, 
I, I, I like creating interesting female characters. So for me to create this kind of male character was, it was a challenge for me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that, and the, I mean, I still have like a soft spot for him. And I think that from, from reader reactions, um, a lot of readers have a soft spot for him too, which, which I appreciate and I, and I like, because like I said, my, a lot of my goals is to create characters that are, that are not entirely uh, good versus evil. You know, they, they fall somewhere in the middle of that Yeah. instead of they're not, you know, so my main character in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the first two books is a healer. Like she's a do no harm type of person. She's not a warrior. She's never touched a sword. She has no desire to. Um, she just wants to, she works at, she's in an academy to learn. Um, she wants to take care of people. There's like a lot of herb lore and, um, and things like that in it. And, and so, you know, she was kind of that side of things, but even with her and the second book. So the first book is very, uh, her story and she's kind of light. The story is light. The tone is light. Um, and then at the end of the first first book, she has kind of a reckoning, and she realizes that she's kind of been handpicked to the, be the mother of this character who's in the her daughter who you know comes about in the third book. Like spoiler she's, alert, right? So she's so she's uh so she she's the basically you know going to be the mother of this very dark character, and and she's kind of been manipulated and used and um, all along the way to get to that point. So when she has that realization, like, wow, you know, I've been a pawn in this game of gods, um, the second book starts. So the okay. second book is much darker. It's grittier. She's super bitter. She's super pissed off. Like, she's like, you know, <laughs> all these people have been using me, and so she just kind of runs away. She She leaves, and she starts to travel, and she's trying to escape – this person who wants her and that person who wants her, she just wants to get away from it all. Yeah. So. So I'm thinking more now kind of going into like the creative aspects of basically creating a universe. Okay. World you know, building. and yeah. I can, I can see it taking, you know, a very long time to build this universe and kind of get the structure down uh, before you're really able to take off. And I think that probably having that, uh, that environment, the universe, that's probably the best word to use for mm -hmm. this, uh, set in stone probably made it a lot easier to create the second and third book. And was that the yeah, case? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and that's kind of what I tell people, you know, my first book is a very slow tell, like slow story. You know, it's character building, it's universe building, it's, it's kind of trying to get your feet as a reader down into, um, you know, cause there's magic in it. There's sword and sorcery. Sure. Like I said, it's very traditional fantasy. It's, um, orb lights and time travel, little light time travel. Um, you know, so just in, 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 in geographically as well, some people, I, I get often asked the question, so what, what time frame do, do your books take place in? And for me, it's, it's impossible to even answer that. That's I can't just say to you, oh, it takes place in 1653. Like, or you know, let's, I'm just making that up. But you know, it's fantasy. When does it place take place? Who knows? Where does it take place? Who knows? I mean, I I can give you some. You know, there's there's oceans and there's a lot of there's a lot of Celtic and Scottish and Irish mythology in the first two. Um, but geographically, again, it's something you create. So totally. Hopefully I can give you enough clues that you can imagine it. And uh, um, I have a lot of uh, 
Native American mythology weaved in. So it's not just, um, oh, you know, this takes place in Scotland or Ireland, even though the names are sometimes um, Scottish in nature. You know, there's, I kind of pull from a lot of different areas. So that's what it is. It's it's kind of creating your own world and drawing. Um, I'm a huge mythology fan, so I, I draw from a lot of different, a lot of different uh, mythologies that, that don't really, I don't know, I, I just kind of mix them for my own purposes, okay. basically. Yeah. So you told me that you read a lot of fantasy growing up and stuff. So you probably, whenever you decided to start writing your book, do you feel like you had a good grasp on how to like structure a story properly? Or was that something that you kind of had to wrestle through? Um, let's see. So yes and no. So when I'm, yes, in the sense that I think that I really, fantasy tropes are ingrained in me, you know, kind of the, but at the same time, I, one of my goals was to create characters that I hadn't personally read in fantasy books. I mean, I wanted to, like I mentioned earlier, stick true to like the good versus evil. And then how does that come about? But I wanted to create people that I hadn't, I hadn't seen or, or, or read in books before. And a lot of that comes about in my second book. Like I said, my character starts to travel. My first book, you know, there's a there's a complaint in fantasy, and I think that it's a legitimate one, although it's been changing lately. But there's a big complaint that that a lot of fantasy writing is is very um, Eurocentric, so to speak, and is very white. So in my second book, my character starts to travel, and she starts to um, go to different countries, and, and lots of different cultures are brought into it. But um, I kind I wanted to do it in a way that was really natural, like and not forced, you know. Yeah. So the second book, um, that kind of that kind of comes about, and then even in the third one, uh, her daughter starts to travel, and I. This <laughs> kind of goes back to what you said earlier, you know. How does your story come about? And in my third one, her daughter heads east to like a, a, a an Asian type of world with a and it's it's clear in the book. These aren't spoilers, but. Um, there's even on the cover of the third book, you know, there's a, there's an Asian, uh, type of temple in the background of her. Um, and, and so there's a ton of just, um, like Taoism and, and, and Buddhism, like ingrained in there, the people that she meets, the way that they speak to her and their concept of, of good versus evil was completely different than a Western aspect of good versus evil to them. It's, you can't have one without the other. They're, they're connected, you know, it's that yin and yang. So I really got to play with that a lot and, and really teach myself a lot about, um, Eastern philosophies, um, and religions, so to speak through, through this book. So that's like just what I was about to ask you actually was when you're researching for these books, as I've, I would hope that you do, absolutely. which you just told me you did, you're getting to learn more about different things and it's, you know, helping your story. It's enriching your personal life with useful information and stuff like that. So that's really cool how, uh, you know, your characters are growing in this universe that you've created and they're getting to experience different things. And at the same time, you're learning and growing as a human being and just becoming more cultured yourself. Oh, for 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 a while there, I was like Googling and researching um, Chinese architecture daily. I was like, I feel like <laughs> I know so much about Chinese architecture at this point. And really it was, it was for one scene where she's walking through a town. You know what I mean? But I wanted to... You know, and and wanted to get the uh, Keller scheme right. Like, it or, or is is a is a lot of 
or a lot of doors and wood really red and yeah it really is so <laughs> you know and it is it really arced like that and yeah it is and you know there's one scene um where she enters someone's house and you know there's no glass there's silk curtains for windows and you know just little things like that that a reader might just read that and and keep on going. But for me, you know, I, I spend an hour researching that. Like, what is, what is the structure of the house? How are the courtyards? Um, in, in, in a lot of Asian countries, courtyards with, with intricate, well, you know, um, there's, there's different class systems, but in an, an <laughs> upper class system, I suppose, you know, there's courtyards that are very intricate and very well maintained. And they, they, in a lot of Eastern philosophies, it's all about balance. So they'll have stones, you know, in, in a little creek and they'll have wood next to flowers. And it's, it's all about this, this interplay of um, balance and balancing the elements. Um, and my, my books have, like I said, some, some magic into them. Um, so I, I played with elemental magic a lot and, and that kind of um, earth magic and, and fire magic and um, you know, the, the, the kind of the five elements in, 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 in a lot of Chinese mythology. So, um, and, and I like what I like to do, and this is maybe, um, a bit self-indulgent, but I, in a few of, in two of the books specifically, what I've done is I've, I've incorporated actual, actual myths. So I have this myth in this third one. Um, it's about, her name's Chang'an. She's the, she's the moon goddess in, in China. She's, she's the moon. That's, that's her name. She's the goddess of the moon. And the crane is a, is a very important animal in Chinese mythology. The phoenix, the crane, the dragon, the tiger. Um, but the crane is kind of a little bit less known, so to speak. So there's this tale in there. This woman meets her and, and she says, you remind me of a crane. And then you hear the story of, of why she reminds her of the crane. So that was kind of fun for me. Um, just like I said, I, I learned so much in researching it myself. I, I kind of, you'll definitely see that in, in, in play in the third book. That's kind of, you know, like I said, a little self-indulgent because I just love learning about it so much I myself. think stuff like that is cool too, though, because... It brings it back into the real world. Even though it's a fantasy story, yeah. you have these real world elements. I like, personally, I like my fantasy stuff not super outside of the box. I like it when it's believable enough. Yeah. So, you know? I, and that's, I think, um, I think that I agree with you there. And, and that's, that's, uh, that's kind of what, I mean, like I said, she, I've got some time travel elements that are, you know, it's kind of her her magic power, so to speak. She can she can time walk um, in this third book specifically, so that's definitely outside the box, and that's. But she, like I said, <laughs> she is a bit of a she is a bit of a god goddess, so to speak. But going back to to incorporating um, historical reality into fantasy, which I really tried to do in this book, and in this book, for for better or for worse, is it's 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 sort of my. I don't know my my tome to women. I mean, there are there are some very significant male characters, and actually, in this book in particular, she's her name's Sirsha. She's the main protagonist, but there's this there's a male ca a male character that's kind of her counterpart that gets almost as much page space as, as she does. He's he's a super significant character, um, but so so she meets she meets. Um, 
and the emperor at one point in the book and the emperor's wife is is hobbling behind him and she finally realizes that she's hobbling behind him because she has had her feet bound so again you know i i, I try to create some some historical um elements you know some some historical reality into my fantasy world and is it in a way where maybe your character is learning as you are learning about things or researching them and it kind of absolutely especially too because you know she's she's a she's a a late teenager at this point in the book and um, very impetuous and very uncontrollable and kind of does her own thing and she's she's um, discovering how much power she has so she's kind of um, getting drunk with that power so to speak and then she's she's so she's been exiled which again not much of a spoiler but she's been exiled and she's been raised by this group of of people um one of them is a is a very strong very strict warrior type who kind of has taught her the way of the sword since she could walk um very significant male character one of my favorite characters actually and then um she's another character who's kind of like a uh, forest sprite like an elf kind of um very <laughs> ancient race he's been with her very gentle soul he's almost like a father figure to her um so she's got there that male influence and then she has a kind of a, almost like a teacher just a straight teacher so she has these three men that have really raised her and then they start to they start to travel and it's at the age where she starts to discover her She's always been powerful and she's always been extremely gifted, you know, with sword and bow and whatnot. But she starts to to get that, you know, that self-identity, like, oh, look what I can do. And she starts to get that. I don't, I don't need these men to tell me what to do anymore. So it's it's kind of that teenage rebellion that's at play a lot in this book, which was really fun for me to write, especially because I I have teenagers. So, you know, I have like firsthand experience of that. You know, you're trying to I you're trying to get some self-identity. You're trying to push your boundaries. You're um so, like I said, this it, there's a there's a little bit of a feminist undertone just because she's rebelling against these men, and she's like, I don't need you guys to control me anymore, so to speak. And uh, so that's that that that's kind of fun. But it you know, but at the same time, she sees that there's another female character that kind of comes about in the book, and and she comes about because she was running away from a husband she didn't want to be with. So um, I try to keep it like. She's the the main character is is obviously like I said strong powerful um, impetuous, but I also keep I, I also try to have a range of of both female and male male characters. I mean you've got female characters in there who are you know more realistic to maybe a, a, the to history so to speak sure. that are you know not as independent. They're, they they've had they have to listen to their fathers and that's also at play because she is in this Asian type country where it is the females are very much um <clears throat> have to answer to a father or a brother so so that's been fun but on the flip side I have this male character who's kind of her counterpart and and you know in a lot of fantasy the male is kind of the hero that's the hero journey is yeah. usually from the male perspective and this character not that he's not a hero but he is he so she's impetuous and dark and there's some scenes where you're just like did she really just do that um and then the male is just loyal and honorable and um i kind of he's almost the side he's almost the loyal sidekick while she's out going crazy so i kind of flip that on its head a little <laughs> bit more like you know it's that old um 
Odysseus and, you know, he's out traveling while his loyal wife is at home where I flipped it and she's out traveling where this, this, this guy is kind of at home waiting for her to return. So all the characters in your book are human. Do you have other, cause I know like in fantasy, yeah, you know, yeah. you can get wild. So, you know, but you know, they, they're not exactly all human, <laughs> which is of course fantasy. Cause how, how can they be? <laughs> How can they be not quite human? So there's a little bit of paranormal element in it too. You know, okay. um, the the second book is called Daughter of the Wolf, and and so there's she. Uh, how do I? So her her father can kind can shape shift. They're they're kind of dark. You know, there's um, three different different tribes of. Um, so you've got. I'll, I'll kind of give you a. Really, really brief uh, world building. You've got the dark god, so to speak, in, in my pantheon. And then he has three sons, and, and those sons all kind of form their own tribe. And you've got the crows, who are like the cunning men. And you've got the the bears, who kind of are the, the strong men. And then you've got the wolves, which is um, where, where uh, my protagonist and her father, that's, that's their tribe. Um, and they're kind of, you know, the fierce, smart ones, so to speak. Um, so yes, they can shapeshift. I don't play with it a whole lot and I only play with it. It only comes out. Um, and this is probably, again, this is where you'll see a lot of anime influences. It comes out as a bloodlust. So, so when they get to this point where they're super angry or they're going to kill or, um, like, you know, that bloodlust overtakes them, that's when they have to kind of control that animal instinct where they just want to, um, they want to kind of transform, um, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I have a forest, I have a forest, um, uh, forest kind of line of people, but, uh, but there, it seems like for the most, nothing's yeah, too, nothing's too crazy out yeah, there. No, definitely. No, no, I don't have like talking owls or anything. <laughs> <laughs> kind of now I want to shift this conversation from, the creative elements, which we're, we'll get back into it, I'm sure. But transition into the business okay. elements. <laughs> you know, much less fun side, but, yeah. but the realistic side. Honestly. But it's, it's, I mean, you're right now, you're, you brought over three physical paperback books. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've obviously manufactured and distributed physical media, and I'm sure digital media as well. I'm sure you can download eBooks or whatever of your stuff. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So now this is, I'm kind of interested now to see what the parallels are between, you know, books and distributing music because, you know, I come from the music side of things. Right. That's mainly what I do. So I want to talk to you kind of about physical media versus digital media and what it was like for you getting into all of this. Yeah, and I I and I I love having this kind of conversation with musicians or other artists, you know, how we're artists, we're creators by nature what we do is create. But that's that's not where it stops. We yeah. also have to produce and disseminate and promote what and was so what was it like for you kind of like it's whenever you realized that this was something <laughs> that you were gonna have to do it's terrible I'm terrible at it well so it, I've I've just it's a huge learning process totally. I mean I've I um I like I so social media plays a part in it I I, I would say that's probably my weakness um I'm not 
I'm not as as active on social media as, as I should be. Um, I mean, I've got a website, I've got a Facebook page, I've got a Twitter, you know, um, I blog, but I'm terribly, you know, inefficient at it. I might blog once a month. It bores me, but I probably should do that more. So yes, you know, you, me personally, just like you probably, I just would love to just create and then say here to someone else, go do this for me. But that's not the way it works. No. Um, so yeah, so kind of had to learn, um, how to advertise my books, um, had to, so I, I, I would say my sales break up. I, I, I sell much more, many more digital books than I do paperbacks. Um, it's probably 95% digital sales, Wow, which is, is great for me because I can do a lot of that from home, Yeah, from my computer. But at the same time, you know, there are people who still like, and I'm I'm one of them actually, who still likes a paperback book. So then, you know, and you have to have, it, it's, I mean, if we want to get technical, I'll get, you Yeah, know. please. So this you is have, a technical so show. I have, I have two different files, for example. I work in Microsoft Word. I, once I'm done writing, once I'm done, done editing, once I'm at the point where it is ready to go to print. I have to have two different files. I have to have a print file, like for my hardback, my paperback books, because the margins are different and the page numbers are different. Okay. And then I have to have a, a digital copy where there's a hyperlinked, um, there are hyperlinked chapters. Um, so I had to teach myself how to hyperlink, you know, crazy stuff like that. And, um, the, you know, I can't have page numbers on that because digital readers are, they do their own page numbers. So... That side of things has been really trial and error, and I've messed up quite a bit. Honestly, I just I so I've had this huge problem in the last few days that um, the, the the third book came out um, two weeks ago, and it's been going really well, and I was really excited. And then I had somebody message me on Twitter, and they said, "Hey, I you know I downloaded your book, and I'm having a really difficult time reading it. The 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 um." I, I can't enlarge the, the the text. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm sorry about that. Let me contact the publisher. So I contacted the publisher, the digital publisher, you know, the Kindle's publisher. And I, there, first of all, you, it's so hard to call people, but I finally was able to talk to someone. I was like, look, you know, I had a concern from a, from a reader and they're like, oh, from our end, everything looks good. I said, okay, so I'm going to let it go. Then you know, I get a review, a one-star review on this book that says I couldn't even change the font size. And I was like, oh, so obviously the format is still an issue. So I keep calling and I call and I call. And I finally, you know, you have to talk to 30 different people before you finally hit that right one. I was able to talk to a tech guy and he explained to me that um, my, my other two books, this wasn't an issue with, but with this third book, I, I work on a MacBook and I downloaded, um, a, a Kindle conversion app. And I was like, oh, this will make it easier. It's going to actually, <laughs> it's going to save me some time. It's going to convert the file for me. Fucking go figures. Right? So I was like, you know, and I converted the file and I looked at it on my laptop and it looked beautiful. And I was like, oh, yes, it looks beautiful. So I uploaded it. And the, the great thing is, so the great thing with digital books is um, if I want to change a character's name, which doesn't happen. But if I see a typo when I'm reading and I want to fix it, I can fix my file. I can upload a new file. And 12 to 24 hours later, when somebody buys the book, they're going to get that new file. It's all, you can always edit it, right? Yeah, it's totally, awesome. Yeah. I love it. I actually changed my cover on my first book. 
question. Now, if you change the file, does that affect your number of downloads or anything like that? Does it reset it? No. Okay, well, that's but, cool. But we'll get to that because that's like that's been my hellish week this week. Okay. So, um, so anyway, I do this. I upload the file. Everything is good. My numbers are great. I hit, I hit bestseller in epic fantasy. I hit bestseller in um, two different YA categories. You know, Amazon was promoting me as a hot new release in two categories, which is awesome because that's the key. You know, because there's so many books out there, and 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 our goal is these like independent writers who you know we're not. J.K. Rowling. So we're trying to get Amazon to promote us. Yeah. We're trying to do, and, and they don't promote you until you kind of hit their algorithms and their algorithms, you know, it's Amazon. Their algorithms are like this secret mysterious thing that they're not telling anyone. So I was excited. Everything was going really well. And um, then I got two more comments on the book. The format was wrong. And I was like, look, something is going on here. So I talked to this tech guy and he explains to me that when I use this conversion program, when I submitted it, it the the my my word file becomes fixed and it's unchangeable. Well, when I when I uploaded it, never did it tell me. Like not once was it like, "Hey, you sure you want to do this? It's not going to be you can't edit it after you submit this file. Like it's done. This is it. Can't ever edit it." So, so this is all a shock to me. I'm like, "Oh my my okay." I'm like, "Well, then how can we fix this?" He's like, "Um." Basically, you're going to have to create a whole new book. I was like, I'm going to have to create a whole new book. He's like, yeah, you're going to have to start over. Which for me, it's it wasn't – it was work intensive in the fact that um, I had to reformat my book. So it took me about 10 hours to reformat the book manually instead of using their conversion program. <laughs> yeah, the, the conversion program from Amazon. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, it – Crazy, crazy. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I can understand some technical stuff, but I'm not super tech savvy, but I understood enough to, to know that I was fucked at that point. So <laughs> I, uh, I uploaded everything. Um, I talked to multiple customer service people. And, um, so I had to upload a whole new book and obviously so I still get all of my royalties from that first book, but the problem is, like you the mentioned, the numbers are different. The numbers are different. So now I'm I've fallen out of all of the top ten categories that I was in, and that sucks because you want to be in the top ten you because stay that's there. Yeah. exactly. So I'm so I'm kind of right now. I'm just like oh, but I'm 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 hoping that you know I can maybe do another advertising campaign. Or what has happened is um, because these this book and uh, my first book, um. I've gotten a lot of downloads on the first book, so hopefully I'll, you know, the third book will will kind of catch yeah. up at some point. And maybe and, some of those people that maybe read the third one decide they wanted to get the first one when yeah, they're done. So, maybe they're going to pick up the second one. Yeah, so that's kind of what you hope when you when you write series. So it's not I'm not like totally dejected, but it's it's certainly been like uh, again, a, a, you know, a mistake that I didn't even know was happening, and I was like, shit. Yeah. Now what do I do? Well, I mean, so it's 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 it's, a, it's always a learning process, right? no matter. How long you've been doing this? You know, you have three books now, but the problem is that everything else around you is always changing. So you're yeah. always going to be having to adapt to these new things and these weird file formats that right. you have to learn. That I didn't a, even know about. I was like, yeah. that's not even. I don't even it's know what funny, that means. You know, you've been you've been writing for 
you know, a decade, mm-hmm. and then you have a little file format that completely screws you. Right, exactly. I'm so like, it's like this- some stupid little yeah, thing. Yeah, so I was like, oh, look at my numbers, you know, because I track my numbers every day, and I'm like, oh, everything's going really well. You know, I was... I hit bestseller. Like I was number one bestseller. I was like, this is fantastic. And Congratulations, then I was like, thank by the way. That's great. You. That's yeah, it really, was, really great. It was super exciting. And 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 now I'm like 180 some. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. But yeah, so like I said, I'm hoping it bounces back. I mean, I I, I think that because like my my numbers for my other two books are pretty they've been pretty decent um for the last four weeks. So I'm hoping that the third book eventually catches up. I was like, oh my god! Like you know, it's just silly stuff like that. That you're, you know, you're going along smoothly, and then you're like, oh. But you learn, like you said, sure. everything's learning, and you know, you're an independent artist, so you're doing most of this yourself. And um, whenever going back to when you started, kind of getting the first book published and done, I'm thinking about me as a musician. Whenever I was starting, I had other friends and peers who were also musicians and I could be like, Hey, like, where do I go to get t-shirts made? You know, how did you, who, who did you go to, to record your album? Where did you get your CDs made? I had people that I could ask questions to. Now I imagine that you maybe didn't have any other writer friends published novel writers to go to and ask these questions. So Uh, how was it? When I first started, Excuse me. When I first started, um, yeah, I was kind of like that that lone wolf, kind of sitting in a dark room on my couch and with my laptop. You know that that's that's I sure. was I was that. Writer. So you're just like totally in the blind. Yes. Over the years, have you made friends with I, other writers? And I stuff? have. You know, Pittsburgh actually has um, a pretty decent literary community. Um, I, I think that it's for some reason it's not. It it's not um, you know Pittsburgh in the last few years has really had a resurgence or a I don't know maybe it's the first resurgence of 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 the art scene you know music comedy art in general theater have become super popular and and really good music is coming out of here and comedy and I, entertainment you know I think about this too and I didn't mean to cut you oh, off oh no no I wonder sometimes about whether this is all new to the city. Or just because I'm getting more and more involved in it, I'm starting uh, to discover it. I yeah, that's a you good know because there could that I can't even imagine. Like I hear stories about things that happened 10, 15 years ago that I had no idea about just because I was completely removed from it. But now that I'm involved in this creative community and I'm meeting authors, I'm meeting comedians, I'm meeting people that make movies. It's like wow. There's so where many people doing you? cool like, where stuff have you now. Always been here. It's just right. I think it's just a matter of like you're putting yourself, you're diving into a new environment. I think that might I think that might be part of it for sure. Um, I will say there's a there's there's a new website that's that's um, run by this guy Nick. It's called Litzberg. It's just kind of popped up in the last I don't know maybe year and a half, two years, and it's 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 a great website. Check it out. Um, Litzberg.com. It's Pittsburgh with an L. Pretty pretty cute name. Um, but and it's it, like a literary yes, sort of you know, and it lists uh, all the hub. Pittsburgh. Yes, it cool. lists Pittsburgh authors, um, editors, uh, poets, um, publishers, bookstores. I mean, Pittsburgh does have some some really good independent bookstores, which is awesome. Um, so I will say that's kind of always been around. And, and um, I actually have a book signing at uh, Rickert and Beagle over in Dormont, um, December fifth. So they're they've been pretty pretty good about 
um, helping and promoting and st- stocking local authors, which is awesome. <laughs> stocking, great. Yes. <laughs> stocking our books. I would love to be oh, stocked. Oh. If anybody out there is listening, <laughs> you could absolutely stock me. I do have a I few. I was just thinking about like. I have a, who, yeah, that would be great. Whoever runs this bookstore just like messaging you like, I heard you wrote a book. I would love that. I'm, I'm not at that point yet. <laughs> I'm stalking them. I'm like, hey, can I come to your store? Hey, hey, can I come to your store? They're like, I guess. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it could be both. But over the last uh, few years, I've definitely met some just from local signings and local book fest and things like that. There are some, 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 uh, some good, good writing, some good writings coming out of Pittsburgh. There's a huge romance writing group and scene huh. around Pittsburgh. Lots of romance writers. Um, How do you feel about that? You just have this look on your face that's kind of like, I don't know I, about know, that. Here's the thing. Like, I <laughs> I give them credit because I will tell you this. My And my third book, you know, like I said, it's kind of a coming of age story. You know, she's a late teenager by the end of the book. And, you know, there's 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 some 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 romance in it, so to speak. And I am terrible at writing romance scenes. Terrible. Terrible. Like, I don't know how they do it. I don't, I had a, a so the, the back, this is a little bit of a technical side. So before, you know, you write your book, you write your first draft, and hopefully you have a, have some readers who we call beta readers who read it for you, you know, before you kind of start your editing. Okay. Um, and they give you suggestions. Um, one of my beta readers made a really good suggestion to, to oh, excuse me, a suggestion to me and said, hey, what did you think, what do you think about having a glossary of terms at the, the beginning of the book? Because there's a lot of, um... Oh, yeah. Asian and other kind of That's made up words, awesome. so to yeah. speak. So I did. I, I thought that was a great suggestion, and I immediately incorporated that. But a, another beta reader said to me after reading the book, she said, um, "So I wasn't sure if the two characters." Um, have sex or not in that one scene. I'm like, that's how bad I am at writing romance. <laughs> they don't even know if they have sex. I'm that vague. I am that vague. So I give credit to to people who can write the well, steamy stuff and write it well. That's probably <laughs> also, I imagine something like that is probably particularly delicate because you're maybe in the back of your head thinking about who's going to be reading your book what yeah. your target demographic is. You don't yeah. want to get to a point where you have this sort of, you know, age neutral story. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like yeah. X rated. Right. Yeah. No, mine, I wouldn't even say it's PG 13. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you need to, but you know, you also don't want to have it to a point where the reader gets confused yeah, no, I and doesn't know what's going so, on. So, so during, during the rewrites, I, I tried to make it more clear that clothes were remute, moved. So I think that, you know, Writing seems something that's, you know, really intimidating in a way. You know, I guess I write songs, but I mean, that's just a three and a half, four minute piece of music. You know, you tell stories, but you're not as, uh, there's not as much responsibility on your shoulders because, you know, you have other sounds and things to help carry the tone of your story and you're not getting into all these deep details. Yeah, I mean, I, so... I, I can't even I, imagine like writing I, I mean, like I think, that. But I think that 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 lyric writing is just as, as significant. I mean, I that's kind of the music. I guess it's it's a na- natural fit for me. But that's the kind of music that I gravitate toward. Like when I'm listening to a song, 
I mean, I can hear the beats, but I'm actually listening. I'm one of those people who I'm listening to the lyrics. Like I'm sure I'm into music for for the the story or what is being said. So yeah, I mean, I. I, I love I love good lyricists. I love people who who can get a message out or think about it or you know can craft something that's that's just you know poetic and beautiful in its own way that that the music enhances it and that accompanies it. But but even without the music, just on paper, you could read it and it's just like really striking. Uh-huh. So I in in high school actually I tried to make a comic book. I was um, really really into drawing and painting and I liked comics. So it kind of seemed like a natural thing. And I really had no problem drawing it, but just coming up with any sort of a story was so hard for me. So the only like comics, I did like two full issues of a comic. Oh, that's fantastic. Wait, Uh, where are they? (laughs) I could could show you them. I never, I never like published, they were never published, but I have like all the boards. It's, it's so Uh, easy to publish comic uh, books now. You should publish (laughs) They were, but it's like, it's very, uh, comical. Like I just kind of got goofy. I think it like part of it was kind of catered to the style of drawing that I did, which was very animated and kind of silly. My drawing style and also i think i used it as a crutch just because i was kind of a goofy kid and it was easier to write goofy things and if like something didn't quite make sense or was a little bit too absurd it was just sort of like a you know it's supposed to be silly right, exactly but for Let's me it was just like it. i don't know how to write a real story yeah oh that's <laughs> awesome now i do want to see <laughs> I, I yeah I'll, I'll show you the comics i mean i think you know i think that um i think that any kind of making of art is just I so I'm always interested in where it comes from you know what I mean the yeah. the, the muse behind it so to speak like what what made you write that song or what made you uh, write that book or where did that character come from and sometimes you have a, a an easy answer for it and sometimes I don't know can you even answer it you yeah, know or does it just come from somewhere where you're not it's, sure it's always different but I'm always super fascinated just talking to creatives and learning about their process Something oh absolutely that I yeah. say a lot is you know like I I like music a lot you know I, I have some records here in the room <laughs> a lot of and records I tell people that you know I would probably trade a lot of these records in for like a DVD or something of just studio footage of them writing and talking about Um, why they wrote the songs, how they recorded some certain sounds, just what, where they were in their life. All that stuff really fascinates me. And whenever I listen to albums, I get really lost in all of that other stuff. Sometimes just like, Whoa, I guess maybe that's what makes us a great album is the story that it tells if it's cohesive and if, you know, you can kind of ride that wave with them. Yeah. I'm really into like albums as full bodies of work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of, it's a completely different topic, but how a lot of modern music now seems to be kind of going away from that. It's all about the single, put the single out and the albums are just kind of collections of songs rather than like a cohesive body of work. No, sometimes. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I agree with you. I like the, you know, what, Again, I mean, I'm a storyteller, so that's the yeah. aspect I'm always going to look at something from. But what story are you trying to tell? What, what, um, what message are you are you trying to tell? Is there one? You know, is it subversive? Is it obvious? You know, yeah. what is it up up to the reader or the viewer or the listener's interpretation? 
um, yeah. Yeah, so. I'm, yeah I'm, and like for me, especially with music, you know, I'm always looking for a message as well. I just want like a cohesive idea to be executed well. And I norm- I really don't even care what the song's about, you know. It could be about something really great and positive. It could be about something really negative and bad. I just want it to work as yeah. its own little thing, you know. Even if it even if it starts one place and ends one place if if the I transition want, yeah, there makes sense. You know, it's kind of an issue that I have with a lot of modern rap music where, you know, I don't if you want to have a song about some gangbanger stuff or some going to the club kind of stuff or some doing stuff to women kind of stuff, whatever you want your song to be about, just make the song be about that. Yeah. Sometimes you'll have these verses where it's like, you know, I'm over here and I'm in a nice car and then I saw your girl and I did something (laughs) bad to her and then I'm drinking this and it's just kind of like this – like, you are n- getting way too much done in one day. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> How can you be in it's so like, many I places? I need like a story. It's like you're just kind of going all over the place. I can't connect these dots. Just yeah. let's focus in on one thing and tell me about that. Let's let's talk. Let's let's focus in more about you talking to the girl at the club. I think you can get a whole song out of that. Yeah. Please. But yeah. you know that's just me. A little that's bit. No, just I me. agree with you. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely agree with you. I think that, uh, yeah, I like, like I said, no. Because whenever it goes all over the place, it's kind of like, what is the point? I feel like I don't want to say like the the title of it being artistic gets stripped from it, but I feel like if there's no craft, no, yeah, then oh, what I, are you putting are out you into just, the world? Yeah, what, are what, you are you are you creating something and crafting something? Or are you trying to make money off of something? You know, you know what I mean? And yeah. not that you can't do both. I mean, obviously like that's, you know, that's like we talked about earlier. That's where the business side of things comes in. I mean, we, we as artists, I would say the majority of us want to make money off of our, our craft. Totally. Right? I mean, that's. Especially that's, as you get older, you have other responsibilities. Yes, yeah. You have life, children. Real comes, Jesus real Christ. Life, real life comes along. You only have so much time in a day. Mm-hmm. 100% of yourself is a person to give. The more things you want to do, that 100% gets divided. You got to figure out so, yeah, you have what to, works best for you. And you have to find that 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 balance, which, again, is, I think, something that's completely um, – that is extremely interesting to talk to other creators about as well – how do you make money off of what you create? You know, and that that goes hand in hand with the business side of things. Like, how do you take what you your passion and be able to make a living off of your passion? And I I when I meet artists, musicians, um, I met a musician a few months ago. Uh, he was in his mid twenties. And he quit his full-time job. He moved in with his mom, but he was like, I want to dedicate everything I have to making my music and if I had to move home to do it then I had to move home to do it I said that's you know that that's a that's fantastic yeah you know you're 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 doing what you need to do yeah I think that you know I would never I have friends who are artists but you know going in like and they have this thing where they're creative people really good at what they do but it's not what they want to do you know, they're comfortable with living another life and the art just being the thing that they do. The hobby. So and that's to totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I also have friends who are talented artists and, you know, will say, like, this is what I want to do. But, you know, they're still working a job that they don't like and they're not really 
it's so giving diff- it the effort that it needs. And it's, it's like, so difficult. it's really, really it's hard to so do. Difficult. But, you know, I think that, you know, I want to tell those people that, you know, just push for it. You know, if I can make this bullshit happen, you can do it too. But everybody's circumstances are different. Yeah. It's hard to say that stuff. And like, hard to make that jump. And part of me too is like, well, if everybody could do it, then it would be a big problem. And then like, it, f- it feels kind of mean, but it's like, you know, well, survival of the fittest, right. I guess. You know, there's a reason why everybody I mean, isn't a successful artist. Yeah, and it's and but, I think that that goes back to you can be, um, you can be the most talented person, and if you don't invest in that that other side of things, if you don't, you can create and create and create, but if if the only person that sees it is you know people that come into your house, sure, yeah. What I mean, and if you're satisfied with that, so be it. Some people, I mean. I, I would be perfectly content to sit in my house, produce books, make some money, and and be <laughs> completely unknown. That's fine with me. Like, yeah. I'm not in it for fame. Nobody needs to know my name. Like, I just want to tell some stories and be able to travel. And, you know, that's it. That's it. Some people are in it for fame. Fine. Like, we're all in it, I guess, for for, for different purposes. And, and maybe that's step one. Like, maybe that is step one as a creator. What am I in this mm-hmm. for? That's like, it's like a really just kind of a – somewhat touchy subject for me right now because I have a really good friend who I know won't listen to this, but I'm not <laughs> going to say, I'm not going to say their name. Uh, but somebody who I recently became friends with who is insanely talented. I'm like one of the most talented people I've met in a long time across multiple platforms, like intimidating to a point where I'm like, what am I doing? What exactly? Right. But they have that thing where, like, you know, I want to do this. I want to do more stuff with what I'm doing, but they don't put themselves out there. So I've been trying so hard to just, like, pull them out of their house literally and just get them involved in things because I know people who could help them. And I think that if I could get them involved in the community and start meeting more people, they can see, you know, how easy it is, the potential's there. Because they just recently moved to Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. So, so you know, it's kind of like kind this of weird, like, outsider factor. thing. But, I mean, the stuff that they're producing is, like, blows well, my mind. And I know I mean, a I, lot of people. I meet a lot of people. Yeah. So that's not something that I just And that's awesome say for lightly. you to kind of take on that mentoring role. You know what I mean? Yeah. That you're trying to help someone. And I think that's really, really, really important in the in the artistic and entertainment industries. Like, you know, kind of... I, I've gotten some advice from people. I really appreciate it. I've had some people ask me things that I, you know, I try to tell them my perspective and, you know, I don't, I don't know if what I'm doing works, but I'm going to tell you what I'm doing, you know, if you want to, you want to know. So I think it's great that, that artists helping artists, artists supporting artists, yeah. you know, across genres, you know, musicians interviewing writers, you know, um, I love, I love, there's nothing I like more than going to a bar and listening to live music. Like that's, you know, I mean, my my boyfriend's a comedian, and I go to comedy shows all the time, and they're fine, and I like them. But there is nothing, <laughs> there is nothing that I like more than going to listen to local music. You know, and I'm not going to big concerts. I mean, I went to Pearl Jam a few years ago when they were in Pittsburgh, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, I like we go. There's this there's this dive bar um, about ten minutes from from where I live, and it it really it's I mean it's a dive bar in that you can actually smoke in this bar. Sure. And um, it's small, and it's in kind of the middle of nowhere. It's 40 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. 
And they get some of the best local bands and even bands that are traveling through. And all the artists that I've talked to, all the musicians that have performed there and work with them say that the owner treats the musicians fantastically. The stage is tiny, frankly. I don't even know how they all fit up there. (laughs) They're performing in front of maybe, you know, 20 people some nights. Um, Like, I don't even know how the bar makes any money, like, because their drinks are cheap. Like, it's just great. But but we go there a few times a month on on Friday or Saturday nights just to kind of listen to music. And it's, it's, it's super enjoyable. Like it's it's local. It's uh, a lot of local bands. Um, a lot of a lot of blues music. A lot of uh, local rock and roll plays out there. So it's it's it's. You guys should. I don't know. You might be beyond them, but you should you should go <laughs> check them out. Yeah. Uh, what's the place called? It's uh, called Wooly Bullies, and it's New Brighton, PA. I've never heard of that. Um. Yeah, we were there. Though. So the last. Let's see. Who did um. Who did we see last? Well, I'm a big fan of, I mean, I love blues music. Okay. And uh, Jill West and the Blues Attack were just there, and we um, we went to see them, and she was great. She she had like a major um, health issue, and she's finally over it, so it was great to see her back on stage. Um, Wine and Spirit, a local kind of Pittsburgh rock, and rock band, okay. has been there a lot. Um, oh, I mean, they just, they get, they get all kind of great musicians and they, like I said, they have a tiny stage, but I think that they, um, he, he treats musicians really well. There. I think a huge part in a good live music experience is the environment, just the general feel of a place when you go in there, you know, sometimes you go to places and they have live music, but Everybody that's working there, you could tell that they're annoyed on the nights that they have to have live music mm-hmm. or they don't really have a, a set space for the live music. It's just kind of like set up in the corner on a random night and everybody there is kind of annoyed. Yeah, they're like, there. yeah, they're background. But, you know, you go fans. to a place that has a stage, has live bands consistently and has, you know, staff and an owner that really support it and take care of it. You walk into a place, you can tell right away that it's like – Oh, this is a place where bands play yep. and I'm going to see a good show. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how this place is. Like the music is loud, you know, you're you're not there to to have an in-depth conversation with someone. You're there to listen oh, to yeah. music and to rock have out. Some, yeah, have some and cheap I, drinks and you know, listen and to you'll, some good you'll music. You'll talk and when bullshit. there's a set break. Yeah. That's that's kind of when you'll talk or you'll go outside or you know, you'll uh <laughs> they they did put on an addition now, so there's like a a, a remodeled addition that you can kind of go sit up there and it's a little bit quieter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great place. And like I said, I, I think I try to, I try to get out and see local bands a few times a month. Cause that's, I love it. I Definitely. Love it, so. so the future, what the hell is next? Are you going to continue the series? I am. Yeah. I have to continue the series. I okay. mean, this book some, kind of. Some shit's unresolved. Uh, it's definitely unresolved. <laughs> um, big, big cliffhanger. Okay. At, at the end of book three. Okay. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't. It is a cliffhanger. It's almost like um, a circle that started in 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 book one has kind of closed. It's kind of come full circle, but at the same time, you know, once that circle's closed, it, it kind of opens up a whole new circle. So I'd say that's kind of book. Now four. I'm kind of curious because you've been you know working with these characters and building this universe for so long. Is there a part of you that's like totally? happy like just staying in this universe and continuing the series or is there a part of you that's like i kind of want to 
do something else. Well, so right now I'm still, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm three books in. I think it'll, <clears throat> I think it will probably be a five book series. Okay. Um, so once I start, I haven't started writing book four yet because like I said, I've, I've had some issues with, with book three <laughs> the last, and I decided to get a puppy a month ago. <laughs> Not sure the timing of that. I it, Yeah. Uh-huh. My boyfriend kept warning me, like, I did not know how much work a puppy was going to be. And oh, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm home all day. Yeah, I'm home all Whoops. day watching a puppy. So, uh, yeah, no, I will I will start writing book four soon. Um, so once I think I kind of get into book four, um, I'll see – I'll see what happens. But it will be very strange to, like, leave these characters in this world behind, I think. You know, I've definitely... Is it, um, so it's something that maybe sh- you've thought about, but there aren't any specific ideas of something that you would want to do? No, um, I don't know. So I, I ideally, at some point, I, I, I mean, I think that I'll continue writing. Um, I'll probably do a new series. But... I want to I, – I really – I think the, the, the character that I've created in this third book, like I said, she's very anime-inspired. She's very comic book-inspired. I mean, I think she is I, – I, I consider her the dark version of Wonder Woman. So I would love to see her in actual graphic form at some point. And I've talked to some artists here and there, and nothing's really um, worked out, just kind of – you know, we've discussed options, I've sent storylines, and kind of it's hasn't gotten to the point where we've actually, you know, said, let's work together. So I'd sure. kind of like to get there. I think that's my, after this series or during the series. So you want to maybe do like a like a graphic novel that's an expansion yes. onto the yes. series. I think and no, it wouldn't replace like the fourth book. Yeah, no, no, no. Like yeah, that. the fourth book will still be a, a straight, a straight uh, I fiction imagine book. But. after all this time, it'd probably be quite an undertaking for any artist to kind of take your baby into their hands and illustrate it, you know? (laughs) Do you think it's something that you would be super, super picky about the way the characters Um, and the environment looks or... Oh gosh. (laughs) Have you thought about this? You know, so I, I've, I've worked with the same artist for all three of my covers. Um, and I, he's, he's fantastic. Um, uh, and these are all original art that he creates and, um, I, I've had a really good experience with him and he's been super patient with me when I'm like, oh, can you, you know, make her hair longer? Oh, can you change her dress a little bit? And he's he's been really, really patient with me. So um, yes and no. Like I think that you're right. Like these are my babies and how do I give them to someone else? But at the same time, I have zero artistic ability, nothing. So I, the fact that somebody and and my younger daughter is super, she's fantastic at illustrating and she's fantastic at drawing. And I've actually tried to hire her several times (laughs) and she will not work for me. (laughs) It's it's very frustrating and she's really good at what she does. So I just keep telling myself like she'll catch up at some point, like let me give her a few years and she'll be like, okay, I'm ready to work with you now. So I'm kind of like waiting on her. Um, but no, like, I, I really respect what artists do, and um, like I would, I would love to kind of, uh, you know, say y- you do that, and and I'll do the story, and and let's see kind of what we can come up. Sure. With. Are you a movie fan? Um, I never was, but I would say that I've uh, the last few years, um, I've definitely my boyfriend's really gotten me into movies. Okay. I was I was always more like a reader, but I've definitely, I'm I've caught up a lot in the last four years. So I know that, that that's like a very uh, it's a very big idea, but like 
What if somebody was like, I want to make your books oh into my God, a movie? That would be fantastic. Yeah. I would I I I would I would sign on in a second. I would sign on, <laughs> but at the same time, see, I think I would have a harder time relinquishing control to a movie than to an artist. You know Because if you're doing a comic, like you would still be kind of scripting it. You would need to script it differently for a comic book format than a yes. book. But a lot of your descriptions that are in your book could help paint the image yeah. that's, yeah. you know, just kind of the dialogue fills in the bubbles, blah blah blah. Yeah, like but Having somebody uh, like even somebody cast a character for me that would be crazy to me. Like no, I don't. That's not who I envision. Sure, and you then know, uh, you have to let go of that. You know, somebody adapting a screenplay for you because you know that's. I mean, you could try to do that yourself, but that's like that's like shit that people go to school for. Yeah, no, oh god, I don't even. <laughs> so, I don't know the first thing about that. So you know, having somebody adapt your screenplay and then trying to condense, you know however many words into a two-hour movie. It could be, like, really complicated. And then, you know, what's that thing you always hear? Like, oh, the book's better than the movie. They didn't get it right. <laughs> right. But it seems like it would still be, like, a really great opportunity oh, for you to, I, for people to learn about your I've books. thought about that a few times, you know, like, the process. And I've had a few people contact me, readers, not 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 anyone from, like, a movie studio or anything, <laughs> say, you know, oh, have you, have you thought about, you know, trying to get these on screen and – I don't know. One of these days when I'm, you know, not writing or not promoting or, you know, I'm just I, – I would. I would like to kind of investigate that aspect. Sure. Me. I mean I think that's the kind of thing that, you know, somebody's going to knock on your door. That's not a door that you go knock on. Yeah. You know, yeah. So if somebody that wants to make a movie and like for an epic fantasy movie, we're talking a lot and, of money. That's not really like something that you want done on an independent level. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's going to oh, show. Well, the good thing is, so the I mean, the good thing is the timing of everything. You know, I mean, comic book movies are huge right now. And yeah. I mean, George R.R. R. Martin, who I've been a fan of for 15 years, has has made epic fantasy and high fantasy just I mean Game of Thrones has has taken the world by storm and he has done more for fantasy in the last fifteen years than than I mean since probably you know like Tolkien for God's sake like I mean I mean J K Rowling as well but she had a she had a younger crowd but between the two of them I mean they've made fantasy so approachable you know sci fi and fantasy were always um, kind of like the uh, the stepsister in literature, they were, you know, looked down upon. Even, even they were, you know, oh, you read fantasy, you know, but it's yeah, it's kind of like, like, oh, like the nerdy kid right? type of yes. thing. So they've kind of really brought it into the mainstream, which is awesome, and I so appreciate. Yeah, it's like super wild to me to see a thing like, uh, like the Stranger Things series take off in the way that it did. Because that's like some shit that I would have watched when I was in like middle school or junior high and loved and people would have thought I was an idiot for liking yeah. it. And then now, you know, it was like a huge cultural phenomenon. It is, and, it's, and I think that's fantastic. So just, you know, with my two kids and and their interests, you know, I've been to like a lot of comic cons and anime fest over the last few years and – it, it's been fantastic. I love it. I love I love the welcoming nature. I love, you know, it's just you go there and you can all these kids just they're just in their glory. They're in cosplay oh, totally, or they're yeah. not in cosplay and they're talking about similar interests and you know, at school they're 
they're probably they're not the athletes and they're not you know what I mean they're not um they're probably maybe don't think they fit in as well at school and then they go to these these conventions with like-minded people and it's 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 joyful to me I love it like I I don't even I I've gone to so many conventions and I sit there and I spend most of my time just people watching and I'm like <laughs> oh my god this is I love it I love it so I I mean I love fantasy I love you know any kind of animation like I love that whole scene and I'm 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 so thrilled that it's just like taken off and it's been accepted by so many people and promoted I think it's great totally so wrapping up why don't you just drop any sort of plugs or links you said okay. I mean obviously you have a book that just came out I'll have links to that you said you have a book signing coming up I do. So I'm, um, I've got a, I've got a bunch of things coming up. So I, I can't believe I forgot this one, but, um, <laughs> November 20th, I am going to be, um, it's a Sunday at four 30. I'm going to be at Black Forge coffee shop. I don't know if this will be up before November 20th, oh, okay. Okay. but tell people what they missed. Okay. Well, I'm going to be at Black Forge <laughs> and I'm actually going to be on, um, the drinking partners podcast, which will be incredibly strange. Oh yeah. How's that going to work out? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm I hope I, I get drunk. I'm usually the one. I'm usually the one driving the drunk one home from the podcast. I, I, uh, so it's going to be super weird. It's going to be super weird. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I'm going to do a, a podcast with them and a signing, and then December fifth, I'll be at Rickert and Beagle and Dormont. This will definitely um, be up before. Okay, then. and that's at one or twelve thirty. I'll be there. Twelve thirty. I will be there <clears throat> signing books. Um, stop by and see me. Um, I'm on Twitter x cat bruno x. Pretty boring on Twitter, but you can follow me. Um, I've got Facebook. I'm on. You can find all of my books on Amazon. Um, in physical and digital form. Physical and in digital form. Uh, for readers out there, there's an awesome site called Wattpad. W a t t p a d. Um, it's a great site. It's kind of like it's kind of like um, maybe like SoundCloud for you musicians. You can just upload your stuff and it's free. I upload a lot of short stories there. Oh, cool. Um, I can't upload full books there because I'm licensed otherwhere, but I'm allowed to upload short chapters and short stories. So I try to do that. And it's it's really it's a great community for readers. Like amateur or amateur writers put up stuff there. You know, um, writers that are making millions put up stuff there. So it's an awesome site, totally free. You can read whatever you want that's on there free. Um, so I like to kind of support that site. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so I've got those signings coming up. Um, I've got some other podcasts coming up. Um, but yeah, I'm on um, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook, Cat Bruno, C A T B R U N O. Yeah, I'll you make can sure find to, me there. I'll throw all the links in there, and I'm sure anybody that's still listening is probably really interested. So hopefully they thank check you. it out. Yeah, thank you, and thanks thanks for having thanks for me. coming this over. Been awesome. Yeah, yeah, this was super super cool. I feel like we probably. Could talk for like another hour right. <laughs> easily, but we should probably That's true. cut it. That's true. Awesome. So, well, thanks for having me. Totally. And we are done. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Cat is awesome. And I really hope all of you take advantage of the awesome stuff that she's putting out into the world. For you and your minds and your imaginations. Yeah. All the links to her stuff are in the description. Please be sure to check them out. And yeah. I'll be back again in a few days. Actually. Only in just a few days. 
with a new episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2016. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.